This podcast is part of the Batman Universe Podcast Network, hosted by the BatmanUniverse.net. Check out everything related to Batman and the entire Bat family at the BatmanUniverse.net, including news and original content related to comics, movies, television, merchandise, video games, and more. Also, check out some of the other unique podcasts that TBU has to offer. Consider supporting this podcast by becoming a patron on Patreon. Even $1 can go a long way in supporting this content that you enjoy. Look for a link over at thebatmanuniverse.net to offer your support now. And now, on with the show. Bat Books Bat Books For Beginners I said Bat Books For Beginners It's Chris and Jerry time Talk about Batman right And welcome to this edition of TBU's Bat Books for Beginners, episode 188. My name is Jerry. And I'm Chris. And we are your hosts. On Bat Books for Beginners, we will examine story arcs with Batman and related characters. We'll give you the historical background of the book, break down the plot and the art, and give you our opinions so you can decide for yourself if they're worth a read. Today's Bat Book Chris and I are covering is... Batgirl Redemption. Chris, tell us a little bit about this book. <laughs> Thank you very much, Jerry. <laughs> Led Zeppelin. Hey, yeah. I like that. That was yeah. really good. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. My favorite Hello, Bat fans. We want to thank you very much for downloading and spending some of your time with us today. Batgirl Redemption is a 144-page softcover trade paperback that had a cover price of $19.99. This trade was published in June 2009, and it appears to have only gone through one printing. Hmm. This trade paperback reprints the six-issue Batgirl Limited series, the second volume of the Batgirl title. Those issues were originally cover dated September 2008 through February 2009, and each had a cover price of $2.99. The trade does appear to be available on Comixology, but don't hold me to that. If you're interested in obtaining a hard copy version of this story, going for the individual back issues may be the cheaper route to go, as the trade paperback for this is fetching collectible prices, as it just has the one loan printing. Back issues are at or just slightly above cover price from online vendors. 
For our creative team, as per usual, I'll cite online resources and go a little off my memory. Our writer is Adam Beechin. Beechin is an Illinois native, and his first credited published work was a graphic novel named Hench with artist Manny Bello. It was published by AIT Planet Lar in 2004. He's also written scripts for Teen Titans Go and Justice League Unlimited for DC Comics. I first encountered his work when he wrote for the Robin title in 2006. He would also write for the Teen Titans comic, then Batgirl, and Zatanna as well, and also Batman Beyond. You can find him on Twitter at SunNova, or is that pronounced Sonova? <laughs> <laughs> the penciler was Jim Calafiore. Calafiore was previously mentioned on a recent podcast where Jerry and I reviewed the Gotham Underground miniseries that oh, yeah. I enjoyed very much. I wasn't able to find too much biographical information on him. He is probably best known for his work on Marvel Comics title Exiles and DC Comics Aquaman in the late 1990s. Andy Clark provided the artwork for the individual issues. Now, to avoid any confusion, this Batgirl trade paperback is about the Cassandra Cain version of the character that Jerry and I examined in previous Batbooks. Cassandra Cain first appeared in Batman number 567, cover dated July 1999. She's the daughter of assassins David Cain and Lady Shiva. She was deprived of speech and human contact during her childhood as conditioning to become the world's greatest assassin. Consequently, Cassandra grew up to become an expert martial artist while simultaneously remaining mute, developing very limited social skills and being illiterate. Cassandra was the first Batgirl to star in her very own ongoing Batgirl comic book series. As well as being called Batgirl, she has also been given the character names Black Bat and Orphan. Mm -hmm. The character can be seen in current issues of Detective Comics. Over on Amazon.com, this has a rating of three stars out of five, with one quote saying, Batgirl is the best, and another <laughs> saying, quote, this was boring and routine. <laughs> oh. Now, over on Goodreads.com, this has a rating of 3.64 out of five, based on 22 reviews and 262 ratings. Ah, <laughs> but the key question remains, just what you, Jerry, and I think of this book. Now, for that, dear listeners, please stay tuned. And with that, I shall turn it back over to you, Jerry. Thanks, Chris. We're going to talk about this story after a few messages from some of our friends. Trekker Talk, a fan podcast devoted to the adventures of 23rd century bounty hunter Mercy St. Clair from the pages of Trekker Comics by creator, writer, and artist Ron Randall. I'm Darren. And I'm Ruth. We'll be discussing the stories, characters, and art in this excellent retro sci-fi adventure series, as well as having side conversations about other areas of fandom. We hope you'll join us as we travel from the dangerous back streets of New Gallif to the depths of outer space and everywhere in between. Trekker Talk is available at podbean.com and on iTunes and Stitcher. Find us at trekkertalk.com. Welcome back. Here is the story of Batgirl Redemption. Cassandra Kane Batgirl is out in Gotham looking for clues pointing her to the direction of her father, David Kane. She's been accepted back into the Bat family since they discovered her previous bad behavior was due to her being drugged. However, she still wants to find her father and kill him for what he did to her, and continues to do to other girls, with the help of his partner Deathstroke. 
Together, the two mercs created an army of girls trained to be master assassins, just as Cassandra was. Cass is the greatest of them all, though, a legend among these vicious sisters. Though Batman has accepted her back into the fold, Nightwing is adamant they not trust her, and angrily disagrees when Batman chooses to believe in her. And, of course, the first rule of Bat Family is, do not kill. Cass is using the resources, the computers, the bat phones at her disposal in the bat cave to help her discover the location of her father so she can kill him. Batman is going to be disappointed. Oracle discovers Cass poking around in the bat computer and electronically confronts Cassandra. Oracle decides to help her find her father, help her to an extent. She reinforces the need to not take human life. Cassandra follows a lead and discovers a bunch of dead female fighters killed by a woman fighter, Mark. The two tussle. It is revealed that she too is the daughter of David Kane and trained to be a killer just like Cassandra. And she too wants to kill Kane. They team up, but Cassandra only wants to kill her father while Mark feels the need to kill everyone she's ever met or likely to meet. <laughs> They visit an old friend of Kane and Deathstrokes who appears to be senile. They get nothing out of the big kidder, and he's faking and gets word to his old buddies that the ladies are coming for him. Batgirl and Mark find themselves in an electrocution trap set by none other than Deathstroke's daughter, Rose Wilson, who's superheroes under the handle of Ravager. Turns out she wants to kill her dad, too, so the three weird sisters make off to kill their fathers. However, they are intercepted by a trio of killer ladies from their dad's army, whom they defeat, and Mark unnecessarily kills two of. The third leads them back to the sister army training center. They are spotted window peeping by Deathstroke. Deathstroke ropes in to kick the three crouching costumes through the window, but Batgirl senses him coming and evades his attack. She follows in anyway to fight him. The three sisters fight Deathstroke and his army, However, Deathstroke chooses to blow up the building, which he presumably escapes from. So do the three sisters. But the sister army is dead. Ravager decides to go off after her father. Kane's girls continue to search for their dad. They find out that Kane is planning something big in two days and that it will cripple the metahuman community. Cass deduces that they will try to kill Barbara Gordon. She figures out where he will shoot from, and when Kane goes to strike... Batgirl causes his bullet to go wide of its target. Cass and Kane fight. Batman orders everyone to let the battle play out rather than interrupt it. Nightwing is not too happy about this, though. Anyway, Cassandra beats her father off a ledge. He hangs there dangling, and she hesitates, but then moves to save him. But it's too late. He falls. Robin sees that she tried to save Kane, and Batman realizes that she is indeed worthy of being a bat. Although he knows Dick will be put out, he announces that he will adopt Cassandra and that she will always have a family as long as he's around. The end. So Chris and I are going to talk about our feelings for the story after these words from some of our friends. So what take? 
My name is Stella, and I am the host of Backroll to Oracle, the Barbara Gordon podcast. Backroll to Oracle is a podcast dedicated to Barbara Gordon, the first woman to hold the mantle of Backroll for an extended period of time, roughly 1967 to 1988. The goal of Backroll to Oracle is to examine the character's history from her first appearance as Backroll and continuing through her tenure as Oracle. Each episode looks at a vintage issue of Detective Comics or Batman, as well as other books like Justice League and Freedom Fighters, and modern issues of Batgirl and Birds of Prey. I also keep track of news involving Batgirl and other members of the Bat family, and I have a revolving series of segments like Babs in the Tube, which highlights appearances of Babs in TV and film, Shipper Spotlight, which looks at a variety of comic and pop culture couples, gives their history, and determines whether they are hot or not, Reading with Stella, which could be described as an audio drama, or just me reading a book that relates to Babs or doesn't, and of course, the mainstay literature recommendation. I've been blessed to interview writers Scott Beatty and Chuck Dixon on their backroll year one work, Brian Q. Miller on his backroll run, Dwayne Swarzynski and Christy Marks on their separate Birds of Prey work, and the creators and actors of the backroll spoiled the web series. I hope to interview more creators and actors in the future. My goal, most importantly, is to make a fun, entertaining, and thoughtful show that people enjoy and from which they learn. Find the show online at thebatmanuniverse.net and iTunes, and follow the show on Facebook and Twitter at Batgirl to Oracle. Thank you, and fly on, Babs lovers. Welcome back. Okay, Chris, what did you think? Jerry, I think this is the third Cassandra Kane Batgirl trade that we looked at. I think the first one was called Batgirl Kicking Assassins, mm-hmm. and then we look, also looked at one called Batgirl Destruction's Daughter. Yes. So I think we're getting a good handle of this character. Let me get my nitpicks and criticisms out of the way first. Mm-hmm. Time in and time out, I complain on this podcast that these trade paperbacks could really use some text pages as a setup for the new reader or the reader who hasn't revisited this for a long time. I should be careful what I wish for. <laughs> In a two-page sequence in the first issue, we get character exposition and narrative that gives us a top-heavy 15, yes, 15 word captions on one page. And with the way it's framed and drawn, 14 word balloons on the next page. (laughs) The final panel on that page got so crowded, Mm -hmm. the word balloons were drawn as if to show the words were spoken by characters off-panel. And you don't know if it was Batman or Robin speaking those words. Let me do that for a little bit. I also didn't care for the way Nightwing was depicted here. He was questioning. He was temperamental. He was an aggressor. Tim seemed much more rational and smart. Yeah. Uh, there was another side note I had here. A uh, good job with the character that you had. I, you know, whenever you see a new character that pops up and their character name ends in the letters Q U E, I don't know if I should pronounce that with a hard K as in Mark or Torque or uh, with a K as in Parquet Flooring. So I just hate when those yeah. they give characters those, those names like that. So good job with that. There was a little bit too where Cassandra is flying a Batwing. I, I just don't know how when when Cassandra could possibly learn to fly a Batwing, mm-hmm. much less seemingly be able to become a pilot that can outmaneuver Batman and shoot him down. Uh, oh, and before I forget, we do have some graphic scenes of violence and violent aftermath with some slashed throats, which some may find disturbing. I would offer a parental advisory, as I myself would not deem this appropriate for long, younger children. Mm-hmm. All that said, it was a great action story, and when I saw that Jim Calafiore was the artist I knew was good hands and wouldn't be disappointed based on his previous resume. In the first issue, we had a great fight sequence with Nightwing and Batgirl that initially starts on, of all places, atop the giant penny in Trophy in the Batcave. How cool is that? All of the fighting sequences, and there were a ton of them, were masterfully well-drawn. 
I did like that we got a little whiff of Cass having something of a civilian social interaction with Sal, who was a former classmate, and I do like that Cass got to speak some decent English here. Batman welcoming her into the family does make for a somewhat satisfying conclusion, despite an arguably cliche ledge fall during the rainstorm with Kane. So I was all over the place with this. Things I liked, things I didn't, but more so that I liked. Jerry, what were your initial impressions? Well, I think you're absolutely right about the uh, exposition-heavy um yeah, pages here because there were an awful lot, especially in that first issue. It was almost completely exposition. Uh, once you got through that, I thought that the story was well paced. I thought it was a solid story. It made sense from beginning to end, if a little predictable here and there. Um, there's a heavy, heavy use of narration. You know, it, this could be very helpful for new readers, readers that aren't familiar with Cassandra or with the situation that the uh, bats are in at the moment. But for experienced readers, it's a little bit much, I thought. The kind of big bads in this case are Deathstroke and uh, Kane. And I really don't have any feeling for those uh, two characters. I only care about Kane as far as he relates to Cassandra, really. Even Deathstroke, I know that, you know, he's a big character in the, in the Bat universe or the DC universe, but you know, super duper mercs. Got it. You know, it's not, they're not really my cup of tea, but I do like Cassandra very, very much. And it's great here seeing her integrating into the bat family. I like the relationship between her and Oracle as Oracle knows what she's going to do and knows that it's wrong and against the bat family's wishes and, um, approach to things, but she's kind of staying with her, trying to remind her, that being a bat means not killing. And it was interesting to see Cassandra taking that in saying, well, I don't really believe this. I'm just going to kill my father, but I'm going to try to get Mark or Marquis or however you pronounce her name uh, to not kill quite as much. And she's not a really successful Mark does quite a lot of killing, but you know, at the end it, you could see the arc in, in Cassandra as she kind of comes to the realization that, She's going to side with the bats. She's not going to kill her father. She's going to try to save him in the end. And and I like that. The end is a little mushy. Um, her, her, you know, Batman saying, you'll always have a family while I'm around. Is, you know, it pulls at the heartstring. It's a little over the top. But, you know, as for Cassandra fans, I think it's uh, it's satisfying. I did think that Nightwing was a jerk in this case. Yeah, I really didn't care for the depiction. I, I, I just thought yeah. he's a little... More rational than that, the Dick Grayson that I know. I, I thought he totally seemed out of character, and I think he was just inserted here to play one note and be the questioning guy and do whatever he can to thwart uh, Cassandra's plans. Yeah, he seemed angry, just very, very angry at her, angry at Batman, and it just didn't seem like the Nightwing that we're familiar with. I wonder, you know, if we did a little dig in to see what was going on with him time if we'd learn a little bit more. Mm -hmm. Jerry, I thought the artwork was really good, especially with the fight sequences and the facial stuff. Did anything stand out to you with respect to the art? Yeah, I really love the way that Batgirl was depicted. Now, she looks so cool. She's like sleek in this suit that looks almost like it's patent leather. And her mask is different than all the other uh, Batgirl masks. She has a stitched face. And it makes her look almost like a horror monster, right? She's almost like a, like these are stitches in her face and she doesn't talk much, but the art, the way it's done, it conveys so much without having her having to say anything by her 
posture or the way she's holding herself or the angle she's depicted at. And you're, you know, she, you can't see any features really in her face with the mask over it, but you can almost, you can see subtle hints of what she might be feeling, of what she might be looking like. I think she is a terrific character for artists to depict. I, I just think she looks terrific in this story. Mm-hmm. Did you have any uh, other criticisms with respect? Do you think Cassandra has grown? This is like our third go around with seeing this character on this particular podcast show. And I do see some slight character development that I am glad that we got to see. Uh, do you think it was enough? Too little? Too much? Where, what are your thoughts? I I thought, like you mentioned, that this side story, this romantic side story, was good. I think it's a welcome ray of light um, and making Cass see that there could be a normal life and kind of branching out, you know, her not just being a killer. I would like to see more about more of her in civilian clothes, if you will. I think that, you know, the way she struggles with um, language, the way she doesn't really speak very much. I think it's, it's always interesting for me to see her working through that. Uh, what do you think about, about that process that she's going through? I, I just don't know if Cassandra is more than a one note character in as much as that it seems like we keep going back to her origin and her family and who's my mother. I need to get revenge on my father. And it's like, I think I'll, I think it does shortchange us as fans if if this is all Cassandra is. I'd like to see her progress and move yeah. on, and I do think we get a little bit of that here. I think there is closure that we finally get as it is for that, and hopefully we we can kind of put that to rest a little bit. She can encounter some new people beyond her immediate family, the people from her past. And just explore a little bit and have a little more interaction. I mean, what we had with her and Oracle was great stuff, and I, I would have liked to have seen that expounded upon. But as it is, I think it was it was it was fair. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like you said, the, the fights were great, um, and the images of her sisters like they're going off and they're going to fight together. And there are some really good uh, pages were of them fighting. I really yeah, I do that. have to give Beach and credit too with respect to how he framed the story. Sometimes. The pacing can either lag or pick up. This was pretty consistent throughout, and I do have to give him credit for how he ended each uh, issue in sequence. There was a bit of a cliffhanger where you, oh, what's going to happen next? Oh, what's going to happen next? Oh, what's going to happen next? That that was really enticing, and I have to give him props for that. This is something where I think a lot of writers do fail with mm-hmm. no satisfaction with an issue or, or one a, a way to make the reader want to continue on with this. Very tricky mm-hmm. to do, and I think he spaced everything out just fine here. Yeah. One of the interesting things I found was that the way that they set this whole thing up in the beginning uh, with Alfred, and he's, you know, Cass is staying in Wayne Manor, and he's noticing that, well, she hasn't set up her room. She isn't really engaging in normal life. She's just going out at night and fighting. And it's kind of narration heavy from Alfred's point of view, but... um he he's kind of talking about where he thinks she is emotionally. And I thought that was, again, we've complained about the story being narration heavy and it is, but it, it, it is interesting seeing this story, this, the conflict, her internal conflict being set up by Alfred. I, I thought that was it, not maybe the best storytelling technique, but it worked 
down the line. I'm glad you mentioned that, Jerry, because for me, that was one of the moments that, for me, gave me an emotional gut punch that I didn't see coming. How many times have we talked about the hashtag MyBadFamily, and I summarily yeah. continually dismiss Cassandra as something of a you know member, mm-hmm. whereas I was probably shortchanging her a little bit, and this made me feel a little guilty <laughs> as, a, as a reader <laughs> and being a little bit judgmental uh, with, with that. So... It was a good piece of storytelling, and it certainly elevated my thoughts of Cassandra's place in the Batman universe. Fantastic. All right. So where would you put this in terms of like a a rating? Um, Do you think it's a must-read? Do you think it's a recommend? Well, Jerry, I'll go to my score first. I'm teetering between a three and a three and a half out of five. Now, this is a quest story and a revenge story that is, for the most part, fast-paced, and I do like the effect of cliffhangers and where each issue ended. This is not a one-star, this is not a two-star, or an average story. This is something a little bit more than that. This works as a great action story, and I could even love to see this possibly being filmed in a live action, and it would certainly engross me, especially with the characters of Ravenger and Deathstroke included in this. But I have to ask myself, was it any more than that when the dust settled? Will I want to revisit this story anytime soon? Hmm. Now, is there any character growth with Cassandra here? Yes, to a degree. But I have to keep asking myself, how many stories does there have to be with Cassandra dealing with her background? Is she any more than that? I am going to be taking it down a bit with the way Nightwing is depicted. I thought there was too little of the personal side story with Cassandra as a civilian. I wanted to see a little bit more of that. I'm going to give this three and a half out of five. I will say it as a must read for the Cassandra Kane Batgirl fans, who I know there are many, and they think mm-hmm. – Cassandra is their favorite Batgirl, and that's the version that they like. I don't necessarily think this is a must-read, though, for Batman fans in general. And what do you think, Jerry? Well, I am a Cassandra fan, but there there are definitely some issues with these issues. Um, I would go somewhere between a three and a half and a four. Just probably that half a point is the the difference between liking this character. You know, she's one of my favorite characters in the um, DCU. I think there could have done with a lot less narration, a lot less talking, a lot less exposition. Um, I love the art of Batgirl. I thought that she was striking and just have a, has a menacing kind of like horror monster look to her. Um, but this, you know, for folks that don't have that connection to Cassandra, I can see how this might fall flat for them. So, uh, I'm just gonna be a Cassandra um, fan and just go four zero <laughs> on this, <laughs> but you know, definitely can understand other people's. Uh, well, I can see your points as well. Yeah. So I think you know this is for Cassandra fans, for people that are Batgirl uh, history fans that like to see all the different um, uh, owners of the Batgirl mantle. Uh, Oracle fans, this is very good Oracle here. This is exactly uh, the kind of Oracle that I love. Uh, where, you know, Barbara is compassionate and she's smart and she's hanging in there and she doesn't give up on people. I think it's really, really good Oracle. Uh, in, in general, people that like the Bat family and, you know, there's some pretty good, um, um, breakdown of, you know, different Bat families opinions about, about, uh, Cassandra and things like this. Maybe not such a great one for Nightwing fans though. <laughs> they may be disappointed. Um, so, for that reason, I would say that that for those people that people that are interested in those things, I would say it's a must read and I'd recommend it to those. But for others, if you know, you're not real, if you're 
not really a bat family fan, if that's not really your thing, that this might be one to pass by. Fair points all around. So that's great. So here we have another story. And now, now please don't forget, folks, to check Chris and I out on the Professor Frenzy Show, which is another podcast that we do on indie comics. And by the time this episode is aired, we will have released 14 episodes of the Professor Frenzy Show, which is hard to believe. Um, and, you know, Chris and I there cover uh, indie comics, other pop culture to- uh, topics. And it's been just so much fun. We've been having a great time. And you can see the show, uh, search for iTunes uh, for the Professor Frenzy Show, and it'll turn up in your podcasting app of choice. Now, Chris, he you can catch him out on Twitter at BTO and Bat Books, and you can also see him review uh, things on the Batgirl to Oracle podcast. Would you tell folks about that? Thanks so much, Jerry. Yes, I'm on Batgirl to Oracle, where I have a segment, and Stella is someone who is so knowledgeable and so good at what she does. She is taking a look at the Barbara Gordon Batgirl and all the chronological appearances. She's also reviewing the current Batgirl title. And she also does uh, other reviews where she's looking at uh, other pieces of fiction. Uh, there's also the Required Reading podcast you can find with Stella and Tom, which is another marvelous show. And I do have a forum on Batgirl to Oracle where I look at the Batman Adventures comic that was from the 1990s based on the animated series of the same time. I'm also going to take a look at the Batman 66 title as he's currently teaming up with Archie in Archie Meets Batman 66. And I also have a segment within a segment called Nightwatch where I take a look at the current Nightwing title and view it from a shipping point of view. So if there's any shipping going on with Nightwing, I kind of just sort of alert the listener to that going on. So I have a lot of fun with that, and I can't thank Stella enough for letting me have a voice on her show. Now, Jerry, I know – the listeners out there can find your written reviews somewhere on the batmanuniverse.net. Is that true? And what are you currently reviewing at this time? That is absolutely true. On the batmanuniverse.net, I've been reviewing the Batgirl and Catwoman, Catwoman title. So that's, uh, I've been having a lot of fun doing both of those books. I like that very much. And can much. the listeners find you on Twitter as well? Absolutely. You can catch me on Twitter at Professor Frenzy. So I go out there, I'll tweet my uh, weekly comics. We talk about indie comics a lot. Uh, I tweet about my adventures trying to make it through Dark Shadows, which I'm, you know, I'm making my way. I'm about episode 900 or so out of 1400 episodes. Oh, wow. So I'm, yeah, I'm making my way through. And, uh, of course, uh, Chris and I, on Saturday nights, we both uh, live-tweet the MeTV uh, shows, one of which is Spangoolie, which we had a lot of fun last night. Yeah, was that Son of Frankenstein last night, if, if I'm not memory serves? Or? Yes, it was. We had Son of Frankenstein. Yeah, Basil Rathbone with a pencil-thin mustache. Yes, yes. yes good times. Yes, and, and Bella Lugosi. Oh, he was so good. Eva. So he good. was so That's good. Stole fun. the show. Hands down, my favorite Definitely. part of that movie. Absolutely. Uh, so Chris and I also, we listen to other podcasts. We have a people that, you know, other comic book and other uh, all kinds of different podcasts. One of which that we've been listening to is Cosmic Treadmill and Weird Comics History with Chris Sheehan at Ace Comics and uh, Reggie at Reggie Reggie. And they discuss some classic comics with they just a fantastic detail, great sense of humor, great voices, just always a good time. We've also been listening, of course, to the Sutherlands podcasts with, which are Warlord Worlds, Zoic Xenophiles, and Trekker Talk, sensational sleuths and fantastic fantasies, as well as convention correspondence. So they have a, 
uh, it's the, the Rad Adventures Network, and they have all of these podcasts that are all terrific, and folks should go and, uh, you know, check them out on your favorite podcasting app. I've been listening to Randy Andrews, Soundtrack Alley, and Gen 13. And he just recently did a panel at Comic-Con in Council Bluffs, Iowa. And uh, I listened to that uh, podcast episode that he did, and it sounded like they had a great time. So congratulations to Andy for um, uh, a terrific panel. And you can see him. Uh, he's on Twitter at Randy the Comics Nerd at Randall Andrews One. Been listening to Coffee and Comics with Clinton Robeson, which is a comic book in the amount of time it would take you to drink a cup of coffee. And it's always fun. He has such a great uh, uh, attitude and opinion and take on those classic comics. And it's always a good time to listen to Clinton. Of course, we've been listening to Longbox Crusade and the Crusader Chronicles and Saturday Matinee Theater with uh, Pat, Jared, Jason, and Delvin. And Chris, you did a little bit on uh, that show too, didn't you? Yeah, no, I, I enjoyed you when you guested on uh, Saturday Matinee. Theater a while back, and I, I had an open invitation that uh, Pat was so generously giving me to you know, say, "Hey, would you like to guest on the show?" And I, I would have loved to. And I finally took him up on it, and I'm going to be fe- featured on a future episode of Crusader wow. Chronicles. We're going to look at an issue of Amazing Spider-Man from back in the day, from 1976. Wow. An issue I can distinctly remember getting off a 7-Eleven spinner rack, <laughs> and if. What a treat for me to talk about uh, an old comic book that I can remember. If you want to talk to me, something about things from the past and i could just picture it crystal clear in my mind when where and when i was reading that with a slurpee on a hot summer day and this was a lot of fun to do and those guys are a riot so just i i hope hope listeners catch that out when that episode drops had a lot of fun with that so i can't thank everybody uh from from the gang over at longbox crusade said i mean theater with pat jason and jared Dylan couldn't make out the episode that i was on but uh had a lot of fun with it and uh i hope you look i hope you listen i hope you look forward to it um can't can't thank him enough for having me on. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. Those are issues that I just remember back in the day. And uh, <laughs> so good. If you want to talk to me about old comics, that was the one show I do. Possibly I might turn up on Saturday Matinee Theater, but uh, if if I had a choice, the, the, the Crusader Chronicles of Longbox Crusade, that's the one I really wanted to. So right up. Your thank alley. you so much. So we're also listening to Wonder Woman: Warrior for Peace, which goes through all of the Wonder Woman uh, media, the the TV show, the comics, uh, all kinds of uh, Wonder Woman content, and you should definitely check out that show. Yes, uh, Angela drops out the episodes tend to be at the latter part of the month, uh, the Golden Age stories, and then she'll look at uh, the Perez era, and then she'll go to New 52, and then episodes of the TV show. She's up to the second season. At the time of this recording, I think she's – Going to be looking at the episode "Screaming Javelin" with Ooh, Henry Gibson as the yes. villain Mariposa, and it was—it's just going to be a riot. When I, I can't wait to hear it, so I'm looking forward to that. So we've been listening to Parlopod with John Benedict, another great comic book podcast, which uh, is always—it comes out weekly and is always a good show. Uh, Selling out with Dave Schultz—that's a kind of a, a sociological look at at the world and and different uh, corners of the world. Uh, Really been enjoying uh, the Selling Out show, Dave, uh, and Nate, I believe, has done a great job with that with that program. Here, here, and uh, I think uh, two episodes back, uh, they looked at uh, prison, and uh, this episode, the past episode, at the time of this recording, uh, dealt with uh, mental health mm-hmm. issues, which I surprisingly frank conversation. I got to give shout out to both gentlemen for putting on a very candid discussion and very honest discussion about these and topics. Very important stuff and treated very. 
sympathetically and very honestly and forthrightly. Definitely, if you're interested in these topics, interested in a little more serious fare, check out Selling Out. I've been enjoying Monster Kid Radio with uh, Derek M. Cook, where they talk about the the classic and sometimes not so classic uh, genre cinema of uh, yesteryear, which is a lot of old horror movies. And, uh, you know, you know, one thing they recently did was uh, March of the Wooden Soldiers with Laurel and Hardy. I thought that was a, that was an interesting choice. And I enjoyed that. Oh, wow. Yeah. The uh, Babes in Toyland yes, story. Yeah. yeah, I really enjoyed that. And it's always a good time. If you like old horror movies, check out Monster Kid Radio. And a more recent one that I've added to my podcast uh, listening queue is A Gal works, Walks Into a Comic Shop with Barbara and Bob, which uh, Bob is an, a longtime comic book reader and Barbara is new. And it's he's introducing her to some comic books, and it's really interesting to see her take and their conversations on these stories. They make it for a fun show, too, because – Bob gives Barbara these quizzes. Yes. It, I like to, I love to play along with the quizzes. And I, I, I have to confess, I do pretty good on those. And, and uh, poor Barbara, you know, I just said, no, you should have said that. You know? <laughs> she needs a phone a friend because she, she's dying to win a quiz so she can finally pick the uh, topic of choice for the <laughs> comics they get to review. But what an entertaining show. And they couldn't be nicer, Very folks. Good show. Very good show. So we've been getting a lot of feedback on Twitter and elsewhere, Chris, haven't we? Yes, thanks so much. Now, on the last episode, we got a comment from our good friend, Green Lantern HG on Twitter, and he's been a huge supporter of our show, so thanks for chiming in. And he writes in to say, another great episode, and I have to agree with at BTO and Bat Books. Hey, that's me. All right. The Ventriloquist needs a good story. Enough of having last on the list bad villains. Here, here. Mm -hmm. Good friend of the show, Ian Miller chimed in with pretty great review i love denny's run on tech and you highlighted exactly why other than great art each story is such a well-crafted piece of narrative and characterization everything satisfies thank you so much ian and just to remind listeners this is the one where we reviewed a run of paul denny's run on detective the latter part of the story and i think this wrapped up denny's run on that book which was on our last episode so we really appreciate the feedback thank you so much we also had likes and retweets on our last episode from Dean Miller at Dean Miller 1A, Dustin Fritchell at Bearded nice. Bat Chief. Hey, thanks, boss. Duh underscore man 94 at duh underscore man 94. Brian P. Brewster at Brian P. Brewster. Jared Albrich. Hey, it's the Yard Sale Artist, and you can find him at Yard Sale Artist. Scott X, the Damien Fasciani at Damien underscore Fasciani. Fjortin at Fjortin. Jeff Hunter, good supporter of our show. You can yes. find him on Twitter at Jeff Hunt, 349-11855. The aforementioned Green Lantern HG at Green Lantern HG. The Selling Out Show at Selling Out Show. Thanks so much again, Dave. Playboy at Keaton23, watch me. John O'Hare at O'Hare underscore John. And hey, it's the Two Old New, Two New podcast. Nice. And you can find them on Twitter at Two Old Two New. That's co-hosted by Bill Beer. Bill Beer mm-hmm. chimed in on Twitter. And you can find Bill at Gotham Night 13. Reggie Reggie at Reggie Reggie, the co-host of the Cosmic Treadmill podcast. Thank you so much, everyone. And if I forgot you, my sincerest and deepest apologies, you can reach out to me at BTO and Bat Books, or Jerry at Professor Frenzy. Let us know, and we will be sure to mention you on our next show. Thank you very much. Thanks, Chris. Well, that's all we have for today. Please join us next time when Chris and I will cover Robin Violent Tendencies. My name is Jerry. And I'm Chris. And thank you for listening to Bat Books for Beginners. Books.
Chris and Jerry time Talk about Batman right or wrong Thank you.